Welcome to The Experience, sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome back to The Experience. I'm your host, Steve Forkham, and today I'm joined by David Petromala, Director of Customer and Partner Onboarding at Avaya. He's here to tell us why connections matter and what effortless experience is. David, why don't you tell us a little bit about what brought you to Avaya and what you're working on now? Sure, Steve, listen. I've had the pleasure of being with Avaya for five plus years. And in my journey, I've met some great people like yourself who've got sort of a shared vision of where I sort of like to spend my time, which is around disruptive technology, that allows us to build amazing engagement and I'll call it customer experience solutions. My background is all about customer experience. Uh, I had a software company around for 20 plus years, was all focused on building live engagement experiences in the areas that people lived in and breathed in, whether it was CRM, email, mobile. We wanted to give them the natural, fluent experience that would drive customer communications. That's actually what led Avaya to acquire my company. And the exciting part about being part of Avaya was being able to take that sort of disruptive group and apply it to sort of the customer base that Avaya had. We're the market leader around customer experience with our contact center base. And I've been living and breathing, working with a a specialist team, designing and building out what I'll call intelligent customer experiences or use cases to solve critical business issues. And I love it. It's fascinating. It's exciting. It's different for every customer, every different segment. But one thing is consistent across the board. We're in there solving major issues. And those major issues are around how organizations can be connected to the stakeholders that drive their business. And they look to us as a team to help solve those solutions in a way that sort of allows them to be agile and sort of uh, unique enough to differentiate from the competitors. Yeah. I mean, I joke around with friends and family that I'm an employed entrepreneur. I I look at Avaya as a little startup that, you know, I take personal ownership in. And you you mentioned our customers. I I tell, you know, friends and family when they ask, what does Avaya do? I say, you use Avaya every day, almost every day, almost every human being on this planet, you know, uses an Avaya solution, whether they realize it or they don't. You know, sometimes you pick up a phone, it's got our logo on it. So, you know, you're using it. But more often than not, if you've ever called into a contact center for help with banking or travel or healthcare, it was our solutions that connected people who need help with the people and resources who can give them that help. And, you know, I think what your team is doing, I find it fascinating because you, you mentioned agility. One of the biggest challenges that I see customers facing is moving away from the platform upgrades and the, you know, seven figure investments and the six to eight week lead times into a much more agile environment where, you know, we can solve problems on a problem by problem basis in a more consumable way. So, you know, why don't you start today's discussion here by sharing with us, what's your opinion on customer experience in today's business climate? Well, that's a good question because I believe, and I think that you know the, the market's showing this, that customer experience is probably the most important element in business. It's the key way to differentiate and create value for your, your organization. I mean, 
the reality of it is, is even before the pandemic, we were entering the age of the experience economy where it wasn't products, not even services that differentiated company A from company B. It was really the experiences we could deliver customers and employees to drive a better ecosystem or value or brand affinity with an organization. Now, you now throw in a global pandemic, which absolutely changed the way that we have to connect to our customers and customer experience becomes even more important. So, you know, no longer could I say I have a great in-store experience. When I see my customers live, I give them great service and the experience is awesome because now customers could no longer visit you in that sort of traditional live environment. So how do I now create or recreate amazing experiences that are still considered live based on people not being able to physically engage with me. And that was a challenge that a lot of people had to deal with. And I'll, I'll tell you something, it's not just the challenge of creating that experience. Because remember now, even more important, an organization dealt with a customer who couldn't see them face-to-face. So how do I create a positive experience that allows them to continue to engage with me, maybe over the web or over digital channels, right? So it's not just about making channels or in availability 24-7. It's about when they do engage me, How do I create a positive experience that they want to engage with me consistently and more often now that they can't even physically go into a store or meet with me personally? So customer experience became, it was important before and now became even more important to organizations as the pandemic hit. Yeah. And what you're seeing now, you know, fast forward 12 months is, hey, this, this sort of new reality is not going away. Yeah. We're starting to merge between live and not live, but people love the convenience now of being able to engage with businesses 24-7. So those organizations that embraced the challenge sort of opened that engagement opportunity to 24-7, seven days a week and created an intelligent experience, whether it was live or automated, have actually flourished. You've seen technology companies actually flourish during the pandemic. Those people that didn't embrace that challenge and sort of couldn't handle or couldn't adopt to building experiences around the clock, those are the businesses that have suffered. In fact, there was a great study I read. It was with uh, PwC where they said, listen, you know, organizations say for every positive experience, it's something like 60% of the time they're going to come back and do more with your organization. So that's why, you know, the website, digital, online have to be more than just banners. They have to be engagement opportunities. And they're saying that for every negative experience that they were having. Let's say they went and it wasn't intelligent or it wasn't engaging that 40% of those respondents said they would never do business with a uh, never do business with that organization again. They would move on and go to the next provider. And by the way, the pandemic made it easier for us to shop around because we were one web tab away from researching another business. So customer experience, you can imagine how you know the pandemic sort of accelerated the importance and how it's become now critical probably the most highest priority within a business to be able to deliver as an organization. It is the key thing to drive value with its customers. So, you know, you mentioned an interesting point that, you know, the in-store experience was decimated and essentially curbside in a world of curbside pickup, the curb became the storefront. And, you know, the experience that I had with a brand went somewhere else. And a lot of organizations, some struggled you know, with that pivot point, others uh, were looking for solutions that needed to be both fast and consumable, you know, because a lot of organizations were going through revenue challenges and the pandemic struck because 
All of a sudden, our stores aren't open. How do we service customers? I know of a few brands that didn't have an e uh, e-commerce footprint pre-pandemic. So, you know, how did Avaya help organizations deal with these problems in a more consumable way that kind of operated in, you know, for lack of a better term, pandemic speed? I need this not tomorrow, not today. I needed it yesterday. How do I do this in a way with Avaya that solved those problems without disruption? Yeah. So that's a very important point is that, you know, the pandemic did two things. One, it all of a sudden created this need to be able to open their door 24 seven with other ways to engage. Right. But they had to do it immediately. They didn't have months or years to plan and budget and buy equipment and whiteboard a solution. They need to be able, they needed to be able to immediately put something up, get feedback, reiterate and optimize. Right. So they needed, they, they couldn't go in and buy assets and buy equipment. They just didn't have the time or could they afford the ability to look at a monolithic solution that was sort of black and white? This is all it does. Right. Because they didn't know what customers wanted. So what did they do? They immediately came to us. We were able to, let's say within hours, ignite a use case. Let's say it was an IVR or call deflection system or give them the ability to at least connect to the company. We monitored in real time customer feedback. Were they zeroing out? Where were they hanging up? Based on what was happening in real time, because this was based on our, our platform as a service, we could modify and optimize the experience. So the experience could be improved in real time to meet the learning curve and the reiteration that was happening. So the feedback allowed us to not only optimize, but improve and expand the service based on more and more feedback and more and more requirements. So that agility to be able to instantly put in a system, monitor in real time, optimize, right? And then expand became critical for, for many organizations. We found this in healthcare when we were building COVID hotlines, which quickly turned into contact tracing test results, COVID test results, as well as contact tracing outbound notification, as well as virtual agents to be able to field calls on how to book appointments and schedule test results. So it started like from a basic I need to make sure my phone can answer this overwhelming volume that we never anticipated. Mm. And then from there, expanded to offer more and more services. The traditional monolithic way of buying products and solutions would never be able to meet those needs. The ability to be able to consume services, pick and choose the pieces they needed and maybe start small and expand were the only ways to deliver a solution around that. And then what you saw, Steve, was more and more use cases on a week, like literally on a week-to-week -week basis, more and more use cases popped up, more and more issues popped up. And having the agility to identify an issue and solve the problem immediately became a real critical area. So like I said, from, from just answering the phone to being able to provide COVID test results in 24 hours, to be able to do contact tracing on infection, be able to book vaccination appointments, these were all things that evolved over the years. With retail, we saw, right, everyone put curbside pickup as a service. But the good companies realized when someone booked an appointment or, or bought something, they wanted to know instantly when they could come in, what time. And when they got there, they wanted to know that they were going to be delivered hands-free to their car. So the companies that realized this, when they turned on curbside, feedback, what worked, didn't work, optimized, and then created an environment where curbside became as efficient as online shopping. And it actually became a new channel, not just a part-time, but a permanent channel for people to purchase and acquire services from an organization. So that agility to, again, 
implement immediately and optimize became a sort of a, a critical blueprint for most organizations over the last 24 or, you know, I'll call it the uh, last, last 12 months. So most people hate using self-service, right? You mentioned IVR. Most people, as soon as that thing greets you, when you've called into a contact center, it's zero, it's operator, it's receptionist, it's abracadabra, whatever magic word is going to get me past this thing to actually get me to somebody. That's the whole reason I called in. You mentioned optimize and learning. How did we help customers deploy self-service that people actually wanted to use and that people actually leveraged to do a lot of the things you described, you know, make COVID, uh, you know, sched- testing appointments to get those results to, uh, you know, schedule curbside pickup from a retailer? How did we help organizations make that stuff actually work? Yeah, I mean, this is a great point because this is a lesson learned even by us over the pandemic, right? We were redefining the sort of what I'll call automation engagement. So the traditional world was, hey, I'm going to build up an IVR and I'm going to tell callers what their options are. I I don't care what they're looking for. This is what I'm going to give you. And that actually is very, the results are, the feedback is massive frustration. Because if you look at a a, a traditional IVR, if you're able to get 30% retention, meaning 30% of the people actually use the IVR, you you thought that that was a success. Well, that's not a success. 70% didn't want to use it. That's actually failure. So we had to redefine this for organizations where we said, listen, this is not about dictating to the callers what you're going to give them. This is about giving your customers You want to make them part of your business, allowing them to dictate what they want to do when they engage with you. So this is the whole concept of virtual agent, right? Where we're going in and now it's the caller who calls in and using natural language, they state their intents. They state what they want and then we respond. What we're traditionally doing was we'd work with organizations where we'd sort of brainstorm what would be all the possible intents you know your customer. What are the possible intents your customers are going to want to ask when they call you? So you make a, a general assumption. This is the idea of get it up and running quickly. So you get it up and running quickly with a, I'll call it with a fine set or a, a premium set of intents that you think the customer is going to want. But I can tell you from 99% of my experiences, that's not, you don't just put it up, leave it and walk away. What you do is you put it up and you monitor because mm-hmm. what you're going to see is what are the other intents when they call in that they're asking that you didn't think of? And many times, some of these intents are actually more important than the ones you listed. So what you're doing in real time is monitoring what the customers are asking for. And then you're on the fly building out those intents every day, expanding the value of that natural engagement. So you can build an automation experience that's intelligent, that people want to use because it sounds like that person's listening to you the next time you call and they know what you're asking for, right? That's very, very different. And it's very, very disruptive. The other thing I'd bring up is the ability to bring in more channels to communications. And I I always bring this up is that whenever you could add a more personal or I'll call it visual feel to the engagement, you can create more of a, an impression or connection with your customer. So video to me was another area where, you know, Avaya just was able to really, really grow quickly and build a lot of great use cases to drive a lot of value. Whenever you can convert an engagement into a, a video interaction, you're going to drive a lot of value because you've told your customers, I actually want to talk to you. I want to engage with you. And that video creates that personal level. And you saw that with our, our, our Spaces product, right? 
at, you know, Spaces is so different from other video platforms because it's not a product itself. It's an actual platform that can be reused for so many different use cases. So in some cases, we could allow people who were actually shopping on our website and had a question escalate to a live video engagement with your organization where they could personally see you and speak to you in real time. Or if I were able to call you or call into, let's say, a virtual agent and I couldn't get the answer, it could trigger. If I said, I want to talk to someone live and let's say your call center just wasn't available, it actually could trigger an SMS to a video room where you could talk to where people are sitting there ready to actually engage with what I'll call high profile request customers. We saw that sort of spaces morph into many use cases to drive a lot of value. We even saw people taking things like video and, and embedding it into unique vertical use cases. So for example, Avaya baked it into uh, a telemedicine application where people could, they could no longer go to the doctor's office, right? How do I create that sort of comfort and feel with my patients if they can't visit me? So yeah, I could call over the phone or I could schedule a meeting, but the ability to be able to just to log into a waiting room, be able to ask questions, and then physically, when I say physically, physically over video, meet with a doctor, that created a lot of value. And to be able to deliver that solution customized to different you know, hospitals and different healthcare requirements becomes unique. So the composability of our cloud, where you could modify it to meet different requirements, because not every hospital is the same, not every doctor office has the same type of requirements, became critical. So, you know, this whole driving value by having a platform that allows you to customize, modify, and optimize in real time becomes, a, again, I mentioned it's critical in the blueprint. It became a massive differentiator for us. And I think to anybody who's in the space, that's what makes technology powerful. The ability to morph and change and modify on the fly to meet all these ever going requirements. And, and yeah. I know I'm going on, but another big point is remember, I think we're at a, in a, in a unique stage. I don't know if you've thought about this, but baby boomers, generation X, millennials, Gen Z's, all of them are at an age group where they're actually customers. They're people that have money that might be working that are consumers. And each of them are uniquely different. You know, Generation X, they're a little bit more tech savvy. You know, a baby boomer loves the live engagement. They're like this whole digital engagement is very foreign to them. Generation X, they are a little bit of a mixture of both, right? They, they grew up with, I'll call it traditional ways of doing business and the internet sort of emerged on them and they embraced it. Generation X, they, they, don't, they don't know a world without internet, without connectivity. And millennials are the, that generation Y they grew up with the internet. And then you see Gen Z, they, they grew up with mobile phones in their hands. They don't know a world without mobile. Each one of those different groups, which are a very significant segment, all need intelligent engagements, but the way they engage will be uniquely different. So as an organization, you can't just solve it one way. You need to be able to solve it and be able to adapt to the different types of people that are trying to engage with you. So it becomes a very important point that agility and optimization become even more important. Yeah. I mean, and I think the best technologies are the ones that you don't see. And as a use case or as an example of this, you know, a family member, my wife recently had a remote interview and the organization that she was interviewing with had adopted a video meeting service that she wasn't familiar with using. And that was intimidating for her. You know, and my wife's not, you know, <laughs> 
she won't she won't like me saying this, but she's not old, right? She's you know she's Gen X technology, you know, inclined. She's got an iPhone, she's got a MacBook, but she was intimidated the night before because she wasn't worried about the interview. She wasn't thinking about questions they may ask and what she would answer and questions she wanted to ask them. She was focused on the technology. How does this thing work? Do I have to download an app? Do I have to sign up? And I think one of the things that really speaks to the power of what Avaya is doing differently, because any any doctor's office can you know go out and download 17 different video services and use that for remote medicine. But what we do differently is we lower the barrier of entry. And when you talk about generational you know differences and technology differences, that really becomes key because if I want to have a remote connection with my doctor, I don't want to think about the technology I'm using to make it happen. I just want it to happen. And, you know, embedding these services into the the practice's website. So to your point, when I have a, a, a remote patient experience, I just go to the website, I go to a waiting room. And when the doctor's ready for me, it's just like magic. It just happens. That's so powerful. And it's powerful across generations. It's powerful across devices. You know, the ability to embed that into mobile, that's just crucial. And I think the, the, the future companies who are looking to get that competitive edge, that's the type of thing they've got to be looking at. Now, are you seeing, you know, organizations checking boxes or are you seeing them truly invest in creating, you know, world-class experiences. And when you talk about curbside delivery, this is what goes to my head. There's so much more to a great curbside delivery experience than somebody running your box out to you. Exactly. Yep. I agree. Right. Have you seen any organizations that have done some really interesting things there? Oh yeah. I mean, and, and you bring up the point, not everyone's doing it, but it's what's differentiating the, the winners from, I hate to say it, the losers, right? The winners are going beyond, Hey, I'm adding a process. They're originally saying, okay, I'm building an experience. And this experience is my customer can't come in the store, but needs to be able to order and pick something up from me physically because we're not going to ship or they don't want to pay for shipping. How do I create this great experience that they love and will continue to use? Those are the organizations who start with the experience process first and then apply the technology, what's needed to solve it versus other organizations will say, oh, yeah, curbside pickup, it's uh, send a text. So they'll go out and build a little script. They'll say, yeah, they'll put on their website. Here you go for curbside pickup. And, you know, you put an order in and you don't know when it's available, when to go in. And then when you go in, you actually still have to knock on the door and, and then pull out your receipt, what you want. Right. You've created a horrible experience. You're going to frustrate people. So there are those companies that have, you know, there were companies even before the pandemic that. You know, you know, I give the example, McDonald's and Starbucks, their mobile app and curbside pickup was there before. So they were ahead of the curve. It just became something where it wasn't uniquely just for the Fortune 100 companies. Now, every organization had to think of this as a, a process to embed, right? That's key. So this became more important. Yep. And I, as I said, the winners understood it wasn't about the technology. It was about the experience and then figuring out what technology could help deliver that experience. And I think you hit something that's so crucial. This is not just for large companies that can invest in dozens and dozens of servers, you know, and it doesn't leave the the small business owner with their iPhone, you know, answering people's texts uh, that they're here that, you know, for their curbside delivery. You can automate these processes 
without having to, you know, come up with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of capital to, you know, start supporting your customers with a curbside delivery app. It, it is very, very flexible. It's based on consumption, right? So, you know, if your customers don't embrace it, you're not spending and hoping they use it. No, for sure. I mean, and, and remember, we, we we have to remember this because the dynamics, what the pandemic has created also, think about employees, right? And the way they work. The The traditional world before pandemic was 20% of us worked from home and the rest worked in, let's say, one or two physical buildings. The new paradigm, which is not going to shift back, is maybe 20% work in a physical building. And now 80% are like in thousands of corporate offices trying to operate as one. So now when you're trying to build those experiences, you have to be cognizant of that, right? How do I create a consistent experience based on my employees who one might be in Alaska and other ones in Florida and depending on the connectivity or what I'm using, how do I create a consistent experience? So again, cloud and technology are the, you know, the tools to solve it, but we have to understand the way people engage with us and now accommodate for this new reality of how our, our physical organizations are now trying to operate as well. So that's another thing to think about, right? Is when I'm building out those customer experiences, how do I create consistency around a workforce that is not like siloed or sitting in one place now anymore? Yep, absolutely. And there's where automation and technology plays a key play, right? Automation and technology and AI can give you consistency globally. And then it frees up time for those live engagements with those disparate employees to be a little bit more fruitful. You know, I, I call it before, you know, if you remember the contact center days before you measured success by how quickly you could churn the call mm -hmm. today, that's not the case. You measure success on how well you can keep the customer engaged and how much more value each call can generate, whether it's increased sales, a return call. So the, the KPI in a call centers are completely different as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because how quickly you answer a call matters less than did you give me the answer for my call? 100%. And too often contact centers are focused on the operational side of things. Yeah, it's uh, it, there, there's a lot of power in creating that customer loyalty. So, you know, creating smarter solutions, creating solutions that are more agile and creating solutions that are more consumable for businesses of all sizes. That seems to be the, the trifecta that we've hit with uh, Avaya OneCloud and composability. Yeah, no, listen, that, that's exactly it. I think the composability is the most critical because every organization, big, small, and vertical, will have different needs. And the ability to adopt technology that can sort of meet that customized environment that they're trying to deliver is critical. That'll be the differentiator right off the bat. So anyone who cannot deliver composability is going to have a hard time delivering value to organizations. And then, as you said, Agility and speed is sort of the world we live in because yes, we need to respond quickly, but we need the agility to continually to optimize and improve because those experiences and what people expect change on a month by month basis. Absolutely. Well, David, I want to thank you for uh, joining today's episode and sharing with us what some customers are using as a competitive advantage, embedding communications into their processes in a more agile way. Thanks for joining. Hey, Steve, it's always a pleasure to sit down and talk to you. Thank you very much for having me. I want to thank David for joining me on today's show. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. This has been The Experience with your host, Steve Forgham. Until next time.